this one here? I'll cut it off, I'm sorry. This. Amen. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness it's water because it would be a, I'd be in bad shape if it wasn't, right? So uh, it's not anything that happened on my latter life. It happened my whole life. <laughs> but I want to tell you that I love you today, and I'm just celebrating with you. And seven is truly a year. Uh, all year we've been experiencing. I've come down a couple times last year, three times actually. And I, you know, just celebrating this whole seven year all along, all the, all the way. And yes, eight does mean new beginnings. It, it stands with the Torah, you know, beginning of the Torah, when they would turn the Torah all the way back. They would read the Torah year, uh, all the way uh, year round, right? And the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And then that was all they had, right? It was the law of God, the law of Moses. And then on the eighth day, that, uh, during the feast, that on, uh, after Feast of Tabernacles, the next day was Simchat Torah. And what that means is rejoicing of the Torah, rejoicing of the word. And so they have a big party, and they kiss the Torah, and they dance, and they celebrate. They just have us an outlandish party for the word that God gave them because the word came from God. And can you imagine that? You know, the tablets, and then they put it on the scrolls, and now today they still celebrate Simchat Torah in Jerusalem. All over the world, actually, they do as well in their messianic congregation. And they celebrate, and then they turn it all the way back and start reading again. And it's a beautiful thing because it's a significance. Everything is, is connected, even the day of circumcision, right? Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. There's a reason for everything in the Word of God. And so new beginnings is cut to heart, new beginnings of salvation. And there are different seasons in our lives. And I believe if we could go to the back of the book and we could look at, you know, maybe the 7th or 8th chapter or the 20th chapter, we may take a deep breath and come back and live, you know, 3rd and 4th chapter. Because we don't know what the future is, then we are challenged to trust God, to have faith in God, right? To know that God has us. But I do know when I came in Friday night, Keith and I felt like God was really wanting us to kind of partner up, and I appreciate him. And uh, You know, I knew my heart was I wanted to pray for people, but I wasn't certain how the Spirit was going to lead. But, you know, I just told him just come worship, and he did in this atmosphere and began to pray with people. But I want to tell you something. Revival is something, you see, if you don't have him to begin with, you can't revive it. Read me again. And so all of us often on need to, again, God, again, Jesus, again, relationship, rededicate, making certain that we are, he's our focus, he's our priority. But when I came in here, you know, I just sensed the excitement. And, and Pastor Doug may mention of it, just your voices singing this morning. And I love that song. I have never heard that song until right then. Where would y'all get that song? He wrote it? What? Maverick City. All right. Well, no, no, I thought maybe Mike Mike might have wrote it. But the point is, this is, well, he'll write songs, right? 
Uh, the, so that's really not funny because when the Holy Spirit comes, you will write songs. You will sing the song of the Lord according to Scripture. You will sing a new song. And a lot of times those songs are just, He's wonderful. He's amazing. And that is where the Holy Spirit would come in singing and dancing before the Lord. It was only when it came over to the Western culture that it had the mixture of the Roman influence and Constantine and the Catholicism, all of these liturgical worships that we get all of these different uh, denominations from. But can I tell you, if the King of Kings were here today, there'd be nothing holds you back. When you stand before God, there's only a moment that He says in heaven, we're going to have silence. And then it's nothing but eternal worship. You were created to worship. And so sometimes we get our life going and worship. Sometimes it's, it can be, it can be, you know, just traditional because we're used to doing it. But you know what? He loves us enough. He still comes in those areas and, and when we're leaning towards Him. But it's amazing though when we get, when we truly love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, and soul, what happens? How many of you know when you love the Lord, you're all in? Everything you have is His. Everything, your finances, your children, your life, every part of that. All of that is worship. Romans 12, right? I beseech you, bear, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship or service. That's the New Testament. After Jesus, we are the sacrifice, right? We we're offering up this sacrificial praise. So I'm encouraging you today. Don't let anyone hinder your praise. Don't let what you did yesterday hinder your praise. Don't he says there's therefore no more condemnation to those who believe and are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say there's therefore no more condemnation to those who sin. Right? No, he's saying who are in Christ Jesus. You can repent. You can say, God, forgive me. Draw me back close to you immediately in seconds. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. And sometimes I wonder, so, you know, revival is a word. And I wasn't using the word revival. The Lord has just impressed me with His Spirit, His presence, His last, uh, I mean, His presence for my whole life. But last year, there was just a theme of His presence, His presence in my spirit before I even went to Israel. And then when I came back, I got the staff to begin to read carriers of His presence. And I've got our executive staff reading that. We're getting ready to go a couple weeks together. And I'm believing God for tremendous outpouring of His Spirit upon our executive staff of Kingdom Impact. And there's going to be 16 people there. And I'm believing for an outpouring in the, Holy, in the hotel. Yeah. So um, well, let's just hope it can be alright in the hotel <laughs> with the noise and so forth. But the point is, is that all of us need a refreshing. Amen? All of us need a refreshing. And I've got a... Okay, you got it up there. And I, I, So I put up the slide, and then uh, uh, Pastor Doug can, can use it as well. But the revival of praise and worship. And I thought, well, I like that. That PowerPoint, that picture was already done, so I grabbed that this morning. But normally, how many of you know when I come, I have so much word that I can meet with you three nights and three days and give you so much and then leave with more that I'll have to come back? How many of you know me? So Friday night, I was like, okay, I'm just going to give them a little bit. But I wasn't sure where. Today, I usually have like 13 slides that I'm going to fly through. <laughs> right? Today, the Lord's given me a word. And I'm just going to kind of build this. But I believe the Lord really wants to do something in this room today. I believe that I believe the power of His Word. Worship precedes the Word. But what God is doing here, be remiss in me not to even discuss worship. What God is doing in the earth right now is super important. We're just one, we're just one people that are reaching out and obeying the Holy Spirit, right? God's calling everyone, everyone to come up into worship. Every day, every year, every circumstance. He called everyone what? Even during COVID, he was calling, right? There was a lot of ministry did go on during COVID, believe it or not. I mean, I remember seeing, just watching on the uh, uh, the, um, the TV uh, over in, was it Rome? They couldn't get, uh, or, or they did it in Jerusalem too. 
over in Jerusalem. They were on their balconies. They were, they, they were, they were much worse off than the United States. They were literally locked. Their door, they couldn't go in the, they were in like a 9th, 10th floor uh, uh, apartment. They couldn't go down stairs. They wouldn't allow them. But once, uh, like once a week and only so many meters, as they said, they used there from the property during COVID just to get food and, and necessities. And I was talking to Rabbi Kadamo because he was on the 10th floor. And he's like, we're about to go crazy up here. We're just about to lose our mind. This was like three months after into it. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's not easy, is it, to be isolated? Well, how about you being isolated with them kids? You know, that, that did happen. <laughs> People found out who they're married to. They found out who their children really were, right? Grandparents, right? So, yeah, I mean, you know, the real, sometimes if you think about it, COVID really brought us back to a place, a foundational place that we need God. There's no circumstance that we can figure our way out or work our way out. And man tried. And we tried to follow the laws of the land, didn't we? By wearing masks and separating. But the point is that we do want to honor those who are in, in charge over us. But I can tell you, no matter what happens, God is the God that leads us. And He is going to direct us. And I'm going to tell you, God wants the church to shine in America. And revival is a, is a place that brings its drawing uh, to all men. And that's why it's exciting all over. God, let it, let it fall all over. But in Jerusalem, thought I forgot, but I didn't. On the balcony. And so they began to sing. Now let me remember the song. The, the song, Amen, Amen, um, Amen. The Blessing. Thank you. I didn't know the, member, the, name, the name of it. They were singing the blessing out on the balconies. And I thought, man, that is so powerful to be singing the priestly blessing. It blessed me. It just blessed me to even see something like that. It was just a moment they were all singing to each other. And I just thought, wow, how beautiful is that? The whole world was looking at America during this time, right? How about this? The whole world was looking at the church. The whole world was looking at you, amen? Because we have the answer. But I want to go to, I've got a couple PowerPoints here, and let me just, a uh, couple points real quick that I want to speak about. And I'm sorry, I had it, I thought I had it up, and unfortunately I closed it. So that means I got to, I have to uh, find it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We had some uh, testimonies on Friday night. I'm going to have to turn some of these loose. Yeah, I just got to get my notes here. Hallelujah. So shut down on me again. So see, I'm not doing that. It's trying to do that for me. All right, we're going to touch this thing in Jesus' name. And if it don't work, I'll go by memory. All right. So say this with me. Revival always revolves around God's presence. In the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, we see Eden is the presence of God. It's a place of complete presence of God. God could walk and talk with them freely. Adam and Eve could walk and talk. And, what they, and the glory was in the Garden, right? Because where His presence is, then the glory, right? The the, the temple filled with glory, right? So what happens is they're in this perfect place with God, which we're going to be again, right? We're going to do it again, so re-again, amen? Everything is going to bring us right back to the beginning that we're going to live eternally with Him. And so then they put Him out, they put them out of the garden after the fall of man, and then the next thing, and I'm going to show you, goes through, and how to, he showed them how to do sacrifices to come and worship him. But even there in the garden in Genesis 3.15, God himself prophesied that about the serpent would bruise the heel, right? And he would bruise the head. And there he was talking about the Messiah right in the book of Genesis. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is fulfilling Genesis 3.15. That there would be a Savior that would go out and he would bring us back into his presence. So say presence. 
His presence is the most important thing that we can ever have as a child of God. We are believers. It's the most magnificent, amazing thing about grace. That's the whole uh, the whole gospel is the how uh, how how amazing God created this that we actually house the presence of God. And and I just love that. And I believe he said, matter of fact, the scripture defines says it that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. When you think of an earthen vessel, you know, you think of a beat up piece of pottery, doesn't have a lot of shape. But there's a there's a diamond inside. There's something very, very, very uh, wealthy, very, very much precious as a precious stone to us. That maybe the and sometimes we know it's there, right? We don't let our light shine, then maybe others may not see that. But that's what he's talking about. This thing that we have is on the inside if you know Jesus. But from the beginning, we start with the Garden of Eden. And then the next time we see a corporate gathering, it's when he brought them out of slavery. God is still bringing people out of slavery. Because remember, this is being repeated and repeated and repeated until the end. And so he brings them out of slavery. What was the reason that he brought them out of, out of Egypt? So that they could go... Worship. Go read the scripture. Why did he bring them out of Egypt? Go have a big party and have a big time and go worship. Let us go worship our God. Right? Now remember, they worshiped in Egypt regardless of the slavery, regardless of beatings, regardless. They sang songs and and spoke songs. Singing has been a form of worship and deliverance all the way from the very beginning. So now we get to Mount Sinai. They're coming out. They're at Mount Sinai. And then, and I preached some on Mount Sinai, kind of on the day of Pentecost. I think I've been here, I alluded to it. When they went to Mount Sinai, this was really the first corporate uh, people. His people uh, now are going to come up and marry God. This is a marriage. This is our father. He brought them out because several places the prophets call him our husbandman. And he calls us the bride. And so he brings them out. And what happens? And fear came upon them because of lightning and thunder and the voice of God. The, the fear just sheer wrecked, their, wrecked them. And they're like, oh, Moses, you go. We can't go. We're scared to go. Because they didn't feel like they worthy to even go into the presence of God. Now, you may think the presence of God is, oh, bless the Lord. That's just amazing. Oh, no, it's not. You know, part of having revival, part of maturing in the Lord, part of really, really drawing close to the Lord is recognizing how big God is and reverencing Him and understanding how much we allow idolatry and other gods get before Him. But when we are truly loving the Lord God with all our heart and soul and we keep a check on our hearts, we keep a check that things don't enter in, when we begin to go before Him, you will see a God that is amazing. And so they see this God, but they're afraid to go in. Again, so Moses goes up and he gets the word, right? So that they're able to get some direction to help them be able to what? Come into his presence. This was the word so that they could be, they could try to be holy by the law. How many of you know they could not be holy, right? They couldn't be holy. They needed a sacrifice. What did they do? They began to do sacrifices. But at this point, there's lightning, there's thunder, there's... You can't imagine the sounds that was coming from the top of the mountain. Okay, now let's fast forward. And then we have where? Out in the wilderness. And so Moses tells them, all right, now you're doing, you know, I want you to be able to do sacrifices so you can come where? In my presence. And then he tells them, I want you to build a tabernacle out in the middle of the desert now. And this wasn't a small tent. This is a big old tent. And when you, sections of tents, right? When we go to Israel, we go down to the Red Sea, we go down to the bottom, we're going to see a live, uh, uh, exact measurement of the tabernacle that's down in the Dead Sea in the middle of nothing but sand and salt hills and mines in the Red Sea in Egypt. And we will go through that and see it's still there. There's one there today. And it is an amazing thing to say, wow, that was a lot of work to put that up, number one. And number two, it was a lot of work to take it down. And I'm sure you've done studies on the tabernacle. It is the Son of God. 
Everything, everything points to Jesus, our Messiah, from the beginning to the end. Amen. But here's a place. Go do your, go do your uh, sacrifice. Bring your sacrifices. And what? So that the priest could go in, right? And their sins would be forgiven so that they could have the blessing. But what happened when they built the tabernacle and they got everything in order? How many of you know God wants things in order? He's not a God of confusion. He is not a God of chaos. If you're expecting God to interrupt your entire uh, chaotic calendar, then he's, he's most likely not. He does love you. And he will send people and he will draw you and he will send angels to minister. He will send uh, pastors along your way. He will send people to, to bring you in all throughout your life. But if you truly want to draw into his presence, you really want to know that he's the center of your being. In him we move and have our being. In him he's in us and truly worship is not just our hands on Sunday. Worship is the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are that. And then what happens is then, then after they got everything in order and he tells them everything to do, what happens? Then this cloud comes upon it. Upon it by day and fire was over it by night. Can you imagine if you came to church this morning and because of revival, there is a huge flame that is above this house because something broke loose in the heavens and God set His fire from heaven here. I believe that we bring God so far down that we forget He's there. He's up there. And we're to draw not to Him, not bring Him down, but go up in the Spirit to Him. And then He comes down after we're worshiping and praising. The Bible says He inhabits it. He comes and we make a place for Him. He inhabits the praises of His people. And He sets down upon us. And that is something you can't get on Facebook and you can't get it on YouTube. And you can't get it outside. You get it together. It's a corporate blessing. It's a corporate message. Are, are you with me? All the, He didn't call for He wants the one. But He's coming for a people. A called out people. His, the congregation are going to gather together. Amen. And so when He set down His people, it showed the children of Israel he was in their camp. And there's no other God recorded that ever did such a thing in thousands of years. And so it wasn't that they were centered around. Israel was not centered around a king. They were centered around the presence of God. With the word of God in the ark of the covenant. Are you hearing me? This is the most precious thing you could ever hold in your entire life. We can't touch the presence of God, but I feel it and sense Him. But I can pick this up and read it. He gave us this, right? Until He returns. And so we need to understand that honor, humility is important. To be a worshiper. Those are the things that have to take place. So that he is the only God in your life. Pride will keep you from really entering in. Till I'm all in with God. Do you know that? Because you are the God. You're the God. And why, do we, why does pride come? Because you can't trust a God that you can't see. You have a hard time. And we all as natural beings have a hard time. In seeing something that we cannot see. But all I can tell you is. I was once a sinner and now I've been made whole. All I can tell you is. Over and over the miracles. And the transformation. And the that I have seen God move. How many would testify to me right now. That you've seen God move in your children. You've seen God move in you. When you were worthless. You've seen God do something in your life. You know he's real. Hallelujah. And then we fast forward and then we go to the, to the temple. Of course, David did not get to. David had a heart after God. David 
is the order. Now David is ushering in now what the messianic lineage, the kingdom line. David was supposed to be the king, not Saul. But what does God do? In all of his grace and wisdom, he allows us to do things our own way and get our own king, right? But in the meantime, it detours us when we do stuff like that. We decide we're going to do it our way. We spend so much time, and then all of a sudden, when you do get all in, you'll say, why didn't we do this from the beginning? Does God give you makeup time? He does. But I will tell you, there'll be a grieving in your spirit when you recognize when true revival comes in your home and you realize you could have had it all along. Amen? And so... David introduces, he is a heart after God. What does that mean? He has a heart for God. He longs for God. He yearns for God. David was a misfit. David uh, uh, was, he was a half-brother to uh, Jesse. Uh, so he wasn't even in the, the clique, uh, as, so to speak. He was an outcast because he was born illegitimately. And so you have David who has a tarnish on him. How can he be the king? All of you that's been adopted or you don't even know who your father is. Or your mother. I don't think he knew who his mother was. But most of history knew who his mother was. But I can tell you this. It's not who we're born in the natural gene. It's who we're born in as born again believers. When you become a son and a daughter of the Most High God, your genetics change, your DNA change, but your mind doesn't completely. It changes to be saved, but then it's a daily thing to renew your mind in the person that God has called you to be. And that's the battle, is to tell your mind, to renew your mind with the Word and be transformed every day into the son or daughter of the Most High God in which He sent you in this earth to be. How many of you know we're all living below what God has called us to be? Every one of you are more than where you are. Because God always has more for us. He, matter of fact, I, I, I know one time I spoke, and I think I preached it here. About, it was a sermon on, on the best version of you. That's who God created. And if I told you to close your eyes, I think I did this a long time. It's been several years ago. But if I told you to close your eyes today, let's do that. Close your eyes. Unless you don't want to, don't. Don't go to sleep. I want you to consider and think about the best version of you. Who do you think the best version of you is, really? If you could draw it, if you could think it, if you could feel it, the best version of you. I want you to see it. Now I want you to open your eyes. That's who God created you to be. More than you could think or ask, it's above that. It's above your mental ability to believe that you can make changes. We don't change, by the way. We're transformed. Changing is moving furniture around. We don't change things. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the Word of God in the, and, and the Holy Spirit in our life. That's who He's called you to be. Those things that you know that hinders you. You, with the power of Jesus Christ, can overcome anything and be that son or daughter of the Most High. Matter of fact, as you mature, you will become more closer to God and closer to God. That doesn't mean you're holiest and righteous in everything you do. It doesn't mean you don't make a mistake. You make a mistake. But His righteousness is truly coming through your life. And you know that you're building, establishing uh, 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 guidelines for your life. And you don't slip back into things that maybe when you first got saved, you're not going to fall for that stuff. You're a Christian now, been for 10 years. Why would you go back and slip into something as a newborn baby? Right? Because you begin to build, right, precept upon precept. You begin to build from glory to glory, from encounter to encounter. And you mature until more and more you've got these positive principles in your life. He says, those that love me will keep my commandments. It doesn't say, well, if you keep my commandments, I know you love me. Then that means we, we will do it by works. He says, if you love me, when you love me with all your heart, you'll want to keep my commandments because your heart is focused after God. And we always will have to draw a line in our homes, draw a line in our houses, draw a line in our hearts. What is carnality and what is God? 
He, we always will have that wrestling. And we can't rebuke the body. If we do, it's going to die. And then, well, there you go. You're done. So we're not going to rebuke the flesh. We're going to say no flesh like Paul said. If i got to beat my body into submission, you will obey the Lord. But David was a man whose heart was after God. He was a man out in those hills of Bashan, out in Gamla, up in the north. And he is in tended sheep. And you know the stories how God uh, helped him kill a bear and a lion. And he was a shepherd boy. He was just a small boy. A small, but he was a small man, actually. And he, he was, it didn't look like any kind of a warrior and a king. And I'm going to tell you, God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the heart. And so don't let anybody tell you what's your destiny. Don't let anybody tell you who you are. God says who you are. I love this whole thing about fear. That's not what I am. Oh, I love it. I'm going to have to get those words. I love it. But here David is on a mission. God's got his hand upon him. We know fast forward he is dedicated. He is anointed king. And immediately when you begin to step into service of what God has called you, the spirit that's going to come when you are walking in an anointing is a spirit of jealousy. What happened with Cain and Abel? Right? Cain had the very same exact Ability, opportunity to worship God. And he says to him, God says, uh, the Bible says Abel gave him the sacrifice of his first of his flock, and of, his, um, of his sheep. And he says, and God was happy, rejoiced. And then he says, Cain come, and he, well, he rejected his, his uh, sacrifice. And we don't really know all of what the sacrifice was, but all I know is that God said to him, Cain, if you're willing... For you know to do good and you do it. He said it will be good with you. In other words, he made sure immediately, Cain, it was your choice. You made a choice. And that's why your offering was dis. So we don't, it says also in the process of time, which a lot of people and theologians have said because it wasn't his first. And I want to tell you, you could be a Christian for 50 years. And you can go to church. And you can pay tithes. And you can do all kinds of things. But if God is not the Lord of your house and first in everything you do, you will not have that first blessing. That blessing from the first. The first fruit of all you do. The first of your tithes. The first of your children. The first of your calendar is to come upon the first day of the week. And we worship. Whatever day you worship. That you've got Him first. When you do anything, you and if you get him out of, how many of you gotten him out of line before? And all of a sudden, between sports and ball games or camping or summer and vacations, the next thing you know, you went three months and he wasn't first. How easy is that? You know why? Because the enemy is seeking you to devour you and move you from the place that God is first, because he knows you are powerful. When you say, God, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And we won't take any kind of sports that's going to replace the house of God. We're going to raise our kids in the house of God. Now, I want to tell you that you think it's just, I don't know where it's come from, but I'll go with it. But I can tell you that there is a competition from the world because the enemy. And it was amazing to me all my life growing up in church and the family was around the church. Even on Wednesday nights, it was about the church. Bring your kids and rally up. Man, they had all these clubs and ball games and stuff like that and things to minister to our families. And it wasn't long. All of a sudden, the enemy and the school system and all the sports and all the communities, all of a sudden, Wednesday night's cheerleading or it's ball or it's something. And they began to do on Sunday. Oh, the games are on Sunday now. Do you understand? This is a competition waging war for your heart. Is there anything wrong with that? No, it brings good discipline. Good sports does that. I understand sports. I played softball. I understand it completely. But I can promise you, I was not allowed to go on a game and not go to church. That was not a question. I didn't have to ask. I knew where we stood. And I can tell you, so what's happened is because of pressure and worldliness and pulling. And the carnality of the world. We're in the world, but we are not like the world. There's something different about you. You've got a standard in your house that you're not going to allow your boys but so much time to be 
right to be geared and ruled by what? Other people. You gotta make certain. And of course that changed. Things have changed. I don't even know what you do on Wednesday night. You got small groups, I guess. I'm not saying anything against the church. But the point is, is I was a youth pastor for several years because I took them over when the youth pastor would let turn it loose until we got one. And I can tell you, my heart ached when I realized how much competition was going on with this youth. And the thing is, revival is in the youth, and it's because they just want God. And they want an authentic move of the Holy Spirit. Parents tell me all the time, they just want God to move in their child. I'm like, have you, are you doing devotions? Are you praying? Are you fasting? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah well, you know, we just try well. We're so busy, you know. Is God the sinner? Sometimes you got to do some radical stuff. Sometimes you got to literally everybody stop what you're doing. They're all going to go, oh my goodness. I remember when we did devotions, we laid down, we moaned, we complained with kids. We go to sleep while they were praying because they prayed so long. It's the truth. But I can promise you, I was raised in the fear and the admonition of the Holy Spirit. And that God was the center. If I didn't get anything else, I got that. And there are different ways, there are different seasons. And there are times when you have to do what you have to do. Maybe you have to go get a second job to pay off all the debt because God's told you so you can put him first that you're going to. There are times. There are seasons. There are times when, okay, your son is the best there is. So there's a big conference this weekend and he made it. You know, whatever they call it. He's like the best one in VIP. So therefore they're going to honor him. Okay. But that's not your life. Right? That's not who you are. And, I, and so please don't. Get me wrong. That just I'm just trying to show you what is the competition and the pulling of the world. It's also our job. Right? And, and I talk to people and they're like, well, they can't come to church. But then when I'm talking to them, I'm like, so that means you didn't go to work? And they're like, oh, yeah, we go to work. Okay. Well, I like that because I like workers. I like hard workers because God says if a man doesn't work, break his plague, don't eat. It's God's responsibility. It's your responsibility to go to work, right? Pay your bills. Be on time. But the same emphasis, the same priority. I always tell people we do what we decide we want to do. Our heart does. If we want to do something, we find time. If we want to do something, we find money. All right, come on. You might as well say, yep, you're right. We're all created like that. We all have that. And, and I'm like, okay, well, I remember this. And sometimes, you know, y'all have heard my whole story about even taking a coffee pot, and then the Lord gives me a coffee pot. It was incredible. It was a $200 or $300 coffee pot. And like the Lord said, you didn't even ask me to pay for that. This was several years ago. And then it wasn't long, about six months, somebody brought me a brand-new Nespresso. That's when it was very expensive. They're not that expensive now. They made a cut-down version of it. Now I got one. Yeah, he came to my house and liked it. So, oh, they did. All right. So, and, and I think I've, that's one thing. There are multiple things I can give you over and over and over. Sometimes God's testing our heart just to see, are we going to follow him? Are we really want his blessing? Do we really don't want to get into things? Do we really want to go buy a house that we really can't afford that everybody's going to be under tension? You're going to lose your marriage. Your kids don't even know who you are anymore. Because they don't want to be home. And you bought a house that's gorgeous and beautiful and amazing. But what happens in 20 years? It matters that everything you do, you seek God. Now, if you're here and you've done that, there's forgiveness. He'll get you out of it. He'll show you how to come through. How to get back on the right track. And He'll do it exponentially. But, but it's kind of nice to do things... The first time without having to go through and doing it because, oh my Lord, He told me so. Don't you hate that word, uh, they told me so, or you told me so? Who likes that? Nobody likes that. God doesn't say, I told you so, but He does remind me, you know, if He'd have asked me about this, I'd have helped you through this. So now I've learned after 57, going to be 58, to ask when I'm going to do things and make certain I've got a release on big, big things. But we're talking about always revolves around his presence. And so then we go from David. So David has a, a David institutes 4,000 musicians, 228, like, like uh, 
4,000 musicians. David set the order. David set the precedence in the line to usher in now the Messiah, Jesus, the King of Kings. He begins to tell them the order of worship. And so God gave him the plan to build it. And he, he absolutely, absolutely followed it. But the Bible says, right, that his son actually built the temple, right? So he builds that temple in the order of David. From that moment on, all the way through Scripture, everything that happened, and I'll get to it in just a minute, they followed the order of David. So we know that David is the, even David even introduced as Gentiles could come in the outer court. It was a prophetic message that even the Gentiles would be brought in to worship the King of Kings and ushered in. So this is amazing when you really study David. I have, I'm going to, I haven't done, but one of these days I'm going to do David's journeys only, well, with Messiah in Israel. That's something in my heart because it's so big, bigger than what we could ever imagine. But the temple is built exactly according to the plans of God. And the Bible says when the first temple was built, it was completed. And what happened? Solomon dedicated the temple. Fire! came from heaven and consumed the offering. And from that moment on, the fire was lit. And that fire was to the Israelites as the fire in the wilderness, as the cloud in the wilderness. God is pleased with us and He's in our midst. And Israel rallied around the presence of God. Yes, they had a king. Yes, there's a king. David built his tower. You might as well say there's two thrones there. Because David had a th- he had his tower there, right? But Solomon also in all the splendor and glory. But everything was contingent upon the presence of God that was centered in Jerusalem. This is I'm trying to give you this picture today. All throughout scriptures to rally us around the presence of God. Now the second temple. The second temple was restored by Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel restores the temple after it was destroyed, right? Zerubbabel builds the temple a small portion, and they begin to be worried. And they say, well, there's nowhere that will have the glory that the other temple had. And they begin to say that. And Haggai prophesies that there will come a day that that temple will be greater, that will be, the latter will be greater with the glory of God. And so it was hard to understand this second temple. And then, and then, of course, the Messiah walks in the temple, or he, sorry, he walked through the first temple, the second temple, Zerubbabel, yes. And then what happens? Then we have Haggai is prophesying that Ezra and Nehemiah, they do. They come back and they build the walls, right, again, and repair the walls to this temple. But there was no fire sent from heaven to The temple. So they were like, then we've fallen short of this. Because there I believe that God was saying, this is now temporary. David has set the order of the temple. Now you're going to follow that order. But there was no fire that came down upon the temple. And they were like, well, how could it be greater and the glory be greater? But then we come into Ezra and Nehemiah. They also appoint musicians. They're all working hard to make certain they're following the the order of David. They want God's blessing in the temple. And then what happens? You keep going forward. And then all of a sudden, when we think about Sinai, what happened on Sinai, then you fast forward to the day of Pentecost after Jesus' death. And there were what? A hundred and what? Twenty were up in the upper room. And that means 12 tribes, representing 12 tribes times 10, right? So what's happening to the, which means the complete completeness of every generation is 10. And so all of a sudden, fire falls from heaven. Do you understand? This fire comes on, on the spirit. of the, It says tongues as fire fell. It was evidence that God was with them. That God had put His something upon them. And even when God was rallying up the people, it was all about a nation. 
to bring the nation. God intended for Israel to go to every nation and talk about their God. Win, win every war and have good kings. And we know that they ended up having bad kings. They went into slavery, came back, and that's when they ended up uh, redoing the walls and rebuilding this temple, restoring it. But what happens? There's still something. They're waiting on something. But after the Messiah, here comes the Holy Spirit. That's where you and I are. The Holy Spirit came from heaven and put His seal upon this. The, the encounter, the awakening, the revival, the, the, the launching of us today was fire and lightning and loud sounds that happened in the upper room. And it was just like Mount Sinai, but now the people have faith and courage that they can receive this magnificent gift that they can literally take in. He's, the Bible says that he, he tabernacled among us. And then we have Peter that gets up and begins to preach the prophet Joel. And then you continue forward and Peter begins to preach in Second Peter. He says what? That we are all called to be priesthood to the Lord. A royal priesthood. Now, it's not just priests going in that can only go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies. Now, we're all carriers of His presence because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost? What are you doing with His presence inside of you? Where are you carrying His presence? How is His presence helping you? Are you aware of His presence? The more that we are aware of His presence, the more that we say we want you in our home, the more we will yearn for Him. That's the order of David, and it is. It will usher in the Messianic kingdom, but always revival. And a people, it's always gathering people and making a connection with God. And the, God wants you to go out and let others know that He's in you. And that's the purpose of revival. It's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Peter says we are living stones being built as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are a royal priesthood to proclaim what? The praises of Him who called us. Out of darkness into the marvelous light. You were called out of darkness. And now you're a priest. Now you're a priest. Now you're a priest. And you have the same anointing in your life as I have. We're all on level ground when it comes to Him. And He is our God, our Father. In Jesus' name, we can go into the throne room, the Bible says. What? We can go in to the throne with boldness because of the grace that He has given us. We grew up with songs, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. I want to tell you that song is old, but listen, it's still amazing. It boggles the minds of everyone. How amazing He is today in forgiving. Hallelujah. I'm talking about God, Jehovah, God, Yahweh, God, Yahweh, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, our Messiah, came. Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh. It's the Hebrew word for spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. You want to bring your marriage back to holy marriage, Bring the holy of holies into your life and your marriage. I have a lot of couples that come to me and I say, you want to bring the holy back? Have communion. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. And then have communion. And say, God, I want the holy back. I want the holy matrimony that you have promised us in covenant. Because of Christ. The next the next one. I'm sorry, we've been on one and now I'm on two. Can you I'm used to somebody clicking for me? Click the one right there. Revival always launches expansion. Always. Because everything that God did through all of these times was to show the people and give them that they would know who he is to such a place that they would expand. Their territories. They would take their territories. Today, you're experiencing revival in here every week. It's to come in and behold the beautiful name of Jesus. It's to come in and worship. A lot, and, we, and I talked to them on Friday. In Acts 13, the church of Antioch was the biggest church that we can really look at. For even the direction of all the churches that were started. The church of Antioch actually was ministered to the Lord. Five of them was there. And they were ministered to the Lord. 
And the Bible said, and the Holy Spirit said what? He says, set aside Paul and Barnabas. Here they're ministering. That word means worship. They're worshiping God. So when we come into the house and you're a believer, it's not, oh God, i got to get something from you. Oh God, I want to come and minister to you for all the good you've done in my life. See, it's a different way to think. And the Bible says in 13th of Acts, that as out of that, and I've taught and read that scripture a bunch, but never really done to me. That is what ushered in, Doug, Pastor Doug, the actual first missionary journey. It actually is what launched Paul into all the, to spread the gospel to you and I, the Gentiles, right? To you and I, and to spread the gospel that we have all of the 13 epistles that he's written. All the churches and all the word that he sent out. It came out of a worship event. So why is God, why, why do we sense when you press in, God will give you launching papers. He will give you directional papers. He will give you, because people will be called, people will be filled, people will be adjusted, people will be delivered, people will be free. But it's for the purpose for you to expand that you can go forth in the empowerment of the Spirit. He did not fill them with the baptism to stay in the upper room. They actually, by the time they were praying and seeking God, they went down to the big temple square. And actually down there is where they pretty much were filled. And the Bible says because all the world, they could see them. And it was during the feast. So what happens? The feast of Pentecost, right? The feast of Shavuot. It's one of the seven feasts. The place was packed. And all of a sudden these people that look like they're drunk and speaking in tongues. And, and listen, it wasn't an unknown tongue. It was That wasn't the first thing. A lot of people think the first thing is unknown tongue. Nope. The first thing was unknown tongue. And what did they see? And boldness, right? There are many evidences, by the way, of, the, of, of, of uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they said they knew all of a sudden, well, these are, well, these are Greeks. and these are. So they began to say how they know our language. And the next thing you know, every nationality was being spoken right there on the Temple Mount, which represents the nations. That represents us, guys. He made a plan that we were in it on that day. We were represented that day. And the gospel has now traveled out. And still God here in this campus, He is, he is trying to bring about your awakening into your spirit, into this place, so that you can go out and get your harvest. Do you understand? So that it's always about, it's about you. And then it's about who are you called to? And why are you not moving forward? And I, sometimes I just want to give everybody a push to get going where they're supposed to. Sometimes people, do you know people are actually embarrassed to really step out? They think, because the enemy makes them think they're not good enough. Why would God call you? Why would God call David? He was a stepchild. Dysfunctional family. Brothers hated him. He was the, you know, when he went to kill the giant, he had nobody believe in him but God. Right? When he went up there, uh, uh, go on the front lines, he wasn't sent on the front lines to kill the Philistine, the, to Goliath, because he was the greatest. Jesse didn't say, I want you to go and give them some strategic thoughts today. I want you to go put that armor on and stand on the front line, give my brothers, give your brothers a break. No, take them some food. He didn't give him any glory. But what happened while he was serving? God touched him and used him mightily. Can I tell you that while you're serving, God will call you out. He will put his hands upon you. And he will give you the fruit in which you were destined to do. I believe life is too short to not be on purpose. Yes, yes, I've had a cancer diagnosis. You don't think that everything that I've thought about is okay. But I can promise you one thing. That I will be here until Jesus says it's my time to go. I will not have fear. I went to Israel knowing I had a large mass, five by seven, under my arm. I didn't know it was cancer. I figured it wasn't cancer. Well, we're going no matter what. And then they said to me, you cannot go two weeks. Is, you know, metastasizing already. It's not good. I said, I'm going if it's cancer. I'm the leader. God told me to go and I'm going. Set that, set that surgery date. I'm not stupid. And when I come back, that's my first priority. I didn't tell only a few little handful of people with me because I couldn't carry things. 
because it was swollen. They gave me some steroids to get me through. The point is, I have to live everything I preach. I've come down here and preached things to y'all that I have bore because I have lived it. But I want to tell you this. When you do come through things, you are different. You are stronger. And then you know, sometimes you don't even know why. I didn't say why. I know cancer's in the world. It rains on the just and the unjust. God didn't give me cancer. Cancer's in the world. But God said, okay, go ahead. That test is there, but we're going to help her through it. God told me he wasn't going to take me out of it. He was going to take me through it. That was the first word I got. I wasn't going to tell you this because my focus is worship today. But I'll, I'll give you this. Because maybe somebody in here is like blaming God and you're the victim. I'm not a victim. I have Jesus Christ to help me go through. I just finished radiation Friday. It's four weeks. And it ain't great. So only the help of the Lord. And I ain't supposed to be preaching. <laughs> I'm trying to preach slowly. You probably don't know because I'm usually even harder. <laughs> but I love you. That's why I'm here. But I can tell you, the Lord gave me this word and He's going to bring me through. So let me give you the scripture. Because I was going to do this on Friday night. Another word. When I was preaching, they asked me to do James. And I was like, my brother's Pastor Wayne. And I said, I'm going, he wants me, he put me on the schedule. And I'm going to help him teach James on Wednesday nights. And I'm going through radiation. I said, I don't even get home and then I got to just sit, okay? <laughs> no, sometimes I have to sit in the car <laughs> to get home. But, but God, can I tell you, I said, all right, but I will this particular Wednesday because it's almost the last few days. Well, little did I know it gets worse, worse, worse till the end. And then 30 days, it, gets, it goes in your body and does everything it's supposed to do. It's really like eight weeks after you get radiation. It's not really even during it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. So I'm still in that, and I'm in the rest period. Praise the Lord. But while I was studying, I said, well, I'll just go teach. You know, I'll just be real laid back and share James. I love James. He's amazing. Half-brother of Jesus. It's an awesome book. I want you to get so eat up with the Word of God that you can't stand yourself. And, and, and I want the same drive that you have to, to watch Netflix, 30 programs in two days, with this. You know, there are people, there are people that are binge watching Chosen. And you know what that is? It's showing them Israel, just like I take them to Israel, taking them back to the beginning. I love it. And showing them, teaching them the Word. I want to read Isaiah 43. Hope we're going to close. I don't know what I forget what time you end. 1138, 1130, 1130. Okay. I think I got it at 11. So here's the thing. While I was studying, I wasn't even on this for them. You know, everything about James about a fiery trial. Now, I'm talking about worship, so don't lose where I'm at. But I want to go right here for just a minute. When I was here, now this Ben's, I got the word, I'm going to take you through it. So he told me it wasn't going to be an instant miracle that I need to have surgery. Because I was like, Lord, I, you could do this immediately. I believe in miracles. So then pretty much he's like, do what they tell you to do. So I did. And I'm going to tell you, I had the favor of the Lord. I have to tell you that whole thing is amazing. I just can't right now. And then I opened up the Bible. At some point, my eyes got on Isaiah 43. I, I have no idea what led me there, but God knows. In trials and tribulations, I was supposed to be teaching the first chapter. The scripture, I got to count it all joy. And then I just preached. I don't think I ever went to another scripture. Count, evaluate it, consider it. Think about it. Oh, joy, joy of what he's done. It was the joy that set before him that he endured the cross. Joy is, is not like our joy. It's different. It is done. It is finished. It is our entire existence in God. He said, and when I began to look down at this right here, he says, I just read, and when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
In other words, you're not going to be alone. And you know what water is, right? Let me just, I'm going to go through it and I'm going to tell you. And when you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know that whole chapter? And I didn't even know this until later. I mean, I know it, but this thing just stuck out to me. And the Lord just revealed to me so much, but that there are water trials, there's river trials, and there is fiery trials. The water, when we go through water and we're wading through water, you know, maybe up to your waist, I mean, it's not, it's heavy. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, play it. And so you're, you know, it's like double hard, right? Double hard. You just, man, it's heavy. Everything's so hard. You know, sometimes you don't even know you're going through a trial until it's over, and you're like, oh my goodness, that was a trial. That was the test? Wow. If I'd have known that, I might have, instead of getting angry, right? And then there's the river trials where you're in a river and it's flowing and beating you and bashing you and you don't know, you're overwhelmed. You don't even have a direction. What are you talking about coming out of this? It's a trial that, but he says, he said, I'll be with you. In other words, I'll never leave you. I'm going to, I'm going to be there with you. And then the river trial, he says, bashing you. And, and the scripture says, and they shall not overflow you. In other words, what the Lord gave me is, oh, even though that you're in the river and this river is turned, is, is going, so I would say turning, what is it? Turn, turn. Blame it on radiation, that's why I can do everything right now. <laughs> but he's got a straight path, even though you're doing all this. Even though it's rocking you. God says, I've made a path straight for you. And it will not overwhelm you. And then I get to, and when you walk through the fire, and I say, okay, this is the level of a fiery trial. Because you got the water trial. Some trials are like a river trial. Is this a river trial? Okay. Or is this a fiery trial? Is this a fiery trial? And he says, what did he say? He said, it will not harm you. It will he will protect us. He will not even let it scar you. So I, let's stand up. So I said, God, through. Now, that word, what's the word? Well, those are three things. But here's the key word. When you walk through the water, when you walk through the water, and through the river, huh? and through the fire, and I said, oh my goodness, I stepped up and I was like, well, thank you, my brother, Wayne. Thank you for making, pushing me to do this because now i got a word that answers me from last October. He told me he's going to bring me through it, but now he gave me the word on it. You're coming through it. So people ask me how I'm doing. I might be in a lot of pain. I say, I'm coming through it. Because that's the word he told me to say. That's what he told me to say. I'm coming through it. I'm not staying here. I'm going through it. Some of you, it's a season. You're going through it. And you, it's the way you respond to a trial and a test as to how long you're going to stay in that trial. But when you want God and you put Him first and you sell out for God, He will bring you through. And the season that you thought was going to be the... There's no way you could live after. God says, yes, you will. Because He also gave me the word that when you come through these things... He says something, he told me it was through life, to life. And I said, well, life in what? Freedom? Maybe it's eternal life. But there are things here that he says these trials are for death. That they will kill the things in you that needs to die. Some trials, need you got things that need to die. And sometimes, either one, you have an awakening of God. And you know that you need to reverence God. And you know it's for me and my house. we got to serve the Lord. And guys, listen to me. You need to lead the way in strength and honor for your sons. Ladies, you need to lead the way, of course, for your sons and daughters. And your children. You're going to be accountable for your children. Did you really lead them? He's the most important in your life. Well, today is a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning for Wilmington. This house is full. And I'm so excited for you what God is doing and I'm telling you, revival comes because people want to worship God. 
Revival comes when you turn it all over to God. Revival comes when you want Him more than anything. When you don't even wait for them to call the altar call and you say, I'm coming. So if that's you, I want you to step out where you are. I'm going to pray for you real quick. We're going to do a quick prayer. We're not going back. Come on. I don't want to, embar- I don't want to regret, be, uh, prolong it because I believe. I, we preach the word that I know the word is drawing you. So just come on. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Come on. Come on. Answer the call because that's what it is. It's a call. It's a call to come and give it all to Him. It's a call to believe. It doesn't mean you're a sinner. It, you can or not. It doesn't matter. It's not about. It's about yes to God. He is. My God, I want to give Him my whole heart. I want to know everything i got. I want to come through the trial. I don't want to get stuck. I'm tired of this. Now God is speaking to me. Lift your hands here in this altar. If you don't mind, if you feel uncomfortable, don't. But if you can, I want you to just begin to talk to the Lord right where you are. Come on, in your way, begin to talk to the Lord. He knows you. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you've gone through. Yes, thank you for coming up here. I love that song y'all were doing. It's amazing, but we'll get to it in a minute. But go ahead and do what you're doing. Hallelujah. Come on, all over this room. Hallelujah. I'm going to wait. Anybody else? Anybody else? You know God's got a purpose and a plan on your life. And you know that you're not doing it. You want to step into that. You don't know what it looks like, but you're going to step into it. If you're out there, I want you to come as well. You know there's, there's more. There's more. There's more. Hallelujah. 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 I want you all to just pray, and I'm just going to go through and pray with them, then I'll tell you. I want you to sing. I want you to worship while I pray with them. Pastor Cindy, please come help me. Hallelujah. Right in the middle, brother. I like it. Make room. Make room, guys. Can you step over? Step over before me, please. Step over. Now, I want you to see God like you mean it. Like you need Him more than anything in this world. Don't you worry about who's here. If you've got to go today, God bless you. I love you. I know Pastor Doug does. And you do whatever you need to do. Because these people want to spend time with the Lord. I, I don't want to rush them. I want, this is too important. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.